Sydney Boys Private School, Newington College, sparked national debate last month as parents and former students protested the school's decision to become co-educational by 2033. The topic of whether same-sex schooling or co-ed schooling offers better education for students has long been considered by the likes of parents and educators. The Wires' Tony Pankalewick spoke with Dr Jessica Keane, lecturer in Gender and Cultural Studies at the University of Sydney, to learn more about the arguments behind single-sex versus co-ed schooling. There's no conclusive evidence that single-sex schooling or co-ed schooling is better for students in terms of educational outcomes. The reason that there's no clear conclusive evidence is because schools are really complex places. As we all know, having gone to school, there's a lot more at play than just the gender of your peers. And so isolating gender and thinking that that would be the single ingredient that had an impact on academic outcomes, it's just not something that science has been able to prove either way. What is established in literature, though, is the impact that social class can have on school outcomes, which basically means that where there are families or school communities where there are particularly high levels of education or income or where the schools are particularly well-resourced, we know that that does have an impact on the educational outcomes of the students. Now, does this debate differ when it comes to primary and secondary schooling? Like, is there a different discourse when it comes to the younger kids versus older kids? Yeah, it definitely seems to be. In New South Wales, where I'm from, it's much more common to have co-educational primary schools. And the majority of parents don't seem to have any problem sending their 5 to 12-year-olds to co-educational school environments. But the change seems to happen in New South Wales anyway when it's heading into high school and where we do have in New South Wales quite a high number of single-sex, both government and non-government schools. So it's interesting to think about what the factors might be there about why people think that it starts to be important to send their children to single-sex environments. I think it probably has a lot to do with social attitudes around teenagers and assumptions, um, well, frankly, assumptions that teenagers are likely to be heterosexual and that the opposite sex might be distracting, or assumptions that there are different things that boys and girls need to learn. And firstly, obviously, we know that not all students are going to be straight. And the other thing that we know is that boys and girls don't actually consistently learn different. So that's not established in the science. But the idea continues to persist in the community. And people, I think when they're thinking about those senior levels of schooling, they do start to worry that perhaps boys and girls might need different kinds of things from their schools in order to get good outcomes. But that part of it really isn't there in the literature. Now, Newington College, there was protests. What was that about? And can you talk to us more about what the anger was all about? Yes. So Newington College is a pretty elite, prestigious, historically boys school in Sydney. And they've announced that they will be transitioning to fully co-ed over the next few years. Some parents and community have embraced that, but some parents and community of Newington College have been quite upset about it. Yeah, there were some high profile protests at the first day of school the other week, where some old boys, as they call themselves, and some parents were picketing the front of the school and um, standing there with signs protesting the decision. So some of the protests seems to have have been about process where parents or community were concerned that there hadn't been good consultation. I can't really speak to that. But some of the protesters were concerned that this move was about, that some of the protesters used the word woke ideology or that one protester talked about it as being part of the toxic masculinity nonsense. And what I took them to mean by that was 
that they feel threatened by a general move in communities towards more inclusion, more feminism, more conversations about gender diversity, and they feel like that's being imposed upon them by the school's decision. So that's what I got the sense of from the protesters. What concerns me about that is the impression that they're giving, that they think that this inclusion or this feminism is in some way bad for boys and that it's being imposed on boys and it's going to have bad outcomes on boys. Whereas I actually think that more gender inclusivity, more open conversations about different ways that people are, more feminism, I think all of these things are actually good for boys and young men. And in the research that I've been doing where I've been talking to young men about their experiences of masculinity, there is a lot of conversations out there from young men about the gender norms that are being imposed on them and how uncomfortable it makes them. And I think more gender inclusivity, more feminism, exactly more what these protesters are calling woke ideology. I think that's exactly what these young men need and want. Now, with inclusion, more teenagers are coming out trans, you know, they're embracing their identity. How's that going to impact the discourse with same-sex versus co-ed schooling? Those students are the students that I think of most. Whenever I hear about single-sex environment, a single-sex school that's becoming co-ed, I often breathe a sigh of relief for the trans and non-binary children that I know will already be going to those schools and perhaps not out or perhaps coming out, but then facing questions within the school about whether or not the school remains an appropriate environment for them. So if you're going to a, a girls' school, for example, and you come out as trans and you say you're transmasculine or that you're a boy, where does that leave you in terms of your enrollment? Will the school still accept you? Will you have to leave? And I think that when schools become co-ed, when they become more open in terms of gender diversity, those students who will already exist in those schools can become more welcome to be themselves in those school environments. That's my hope. And that they won't have as many barriers Areas. You know, they won't have to choose between coming out and staying enrolled. So I'm really hoping that those changes can make a difference in that way. That said, I think that simply who a school enrolls, that's not the only factor in whether a school is genuinely inclusive for LGBTIQ students or students in general. And I think that school cultures around inclusivity, school cultures around gender diversity, school cultures around sexual diversity, those things can be positive, inclusive environments environments or exclusionary environments in any kind of school. And I think schools are going to need to work hard to make sure that they're not just inclusive on paper, that they're actually inclusive in their practices and philosophies as well. Dr Jessica Keane from the University of Sydney there, speaking with The Wire's Tony Pankalewick.